This is the 3D Pod, your number one source for 3D printing news, analysis, and insight from 3dprint.com. Now, here are your hosts, Joris Peels and Maxwell Bogue. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Joris Peels, and uh, I'm the uh, executive editor of 3dprint.com, and I'm here today on the 3D Pod with Maxwell Vogue. Hey, everyone. And of course, yeah, Max is uh, the inventor of the 3D printing pen and uh, from 3Doodler, and also by Ramon Pastor, who's the interim president of HP's 3D printing and digital manufacturing business, and also the general manager of the Barcelona's uh, or HP's Barcelona campus. And uh, yeah, welcome, uh, welcome to the pod, uh, Ramon. Thank you. A pleasure to be here with you. Yeah, lately, HP has been doing a bunch of announcements, a kind of blizzard of announcements with HP, and uh, we'll, we'll be talking with Ramon about those. Generally, if you just missed the news, HP announced some additions to its partner network, including Fast Radius joining their supply, their service mm-hmm. bureaus, partnered with Uxler, which is a major manufacturer that does shoes and automotive parts. They have some partners for their metal jet uh, or the metal business as well. And they released polypropylene. So, uh, yeah, it told us a lot about other stuff they're doing. So I'd like to get started. I think the first thing that excited me the most was the polypropylene. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you think about uh, propylene as one of the most used uh, plastics on the world. Uh, the fact that uh, now we can uh, print at scale uh, in uh, 3D uh, polypropylene is, is, a, is, a great, is a great opportunity. Uh, not only because now you can uh, replicate the, the, the characteristics uh, that uh, industry really likes from, uh, from PP, from uh, polypropylene, uh, which is basically uh, low cost, uh, ductility, uh, chemical resistance, low humidity absorption, uh, uh, the welding capabilities that actually this, this part will have with injection molding the uh, uh, PP, but also because uh, provides these fantastic uh, uh, properties at a very low cost. Actually, it will be mm-hmm. the lowest cost on our material portfolio. And from a, also from a sustainability per- perspective, this uh, plastic is one of the, 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 the materials that... Uh, the our customers can uh, reduce 100% of the surplus powder that uh, that they have each bill. So it's a lot of messages uh, here: uh, great material, uh, great cost, and the sustainability message. With the powdered format of the polypropylene, are you able to make clear uh, or see through things as well, or is that not, still too far out? <laughs> not 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 with this material. And, right. Uh, Fair enough. Uh, Really, in in a, in, a, in a multi-jet uh, fusion, we, we use uh, semi-crystalline polymers, and therefore uh, you don't uh, you don't have the transparent capability. Although right. you have some translucent capability. And I, I like so the the first of the recyclability. I think a lot of people there's an environmental message there, but also there's an economic message for people wanting to make parts, right? Because exactly. maybe people don't uh, maybe people don't know that with if you do sintering like typically you'll throw away like 30% to 50% of your powder depending on the parts you make and the yield and stuff and here you're saying that so essentially if i do a full build of parts anything that remains i can recycle right exactly exactly and that that's and how many, yeah and do you have any idea what kind of economic impact that has on 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 the cost of parts or not really or it, no, no, it's 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 a it's a it's a big part. So if you look at the the palette of uh, of costs, uh, obviously number one always is the is the is the raw material cost. Basically, is the is the dollars per per kilogram of the material. 
And uh, then it depends really on uh, on what is the packing density, what is the, the the type of things that you are doing. The second one can be it depends basically on the different materials. This uh, mix between recycle and uh, and fresh. And then basically you have amortization of the of the, of the printer. You have that labor. But actually the the, the first one and second. Uh, Pareto items are related with uh, with material, and both of them, both the the dollars per per kilogram and the recyclability, is two uh, things that actually we are addressing with this material. And 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 so so I like the the cost thing because that really really make a lot more business cases possible. And I also like the fact that polyprop, like first, okay, we don't have we won't have all the problems we have a PLA or polyamide with moisture. Because mm-hmm. it absorbs like very little to, to next to nothing in moisture, um, but also I think I think the flexibility and the toughness of the material and the softness of the material I really like as well for a lot of applications. Are you seeing like new applications already? Are you envisioning them that where you're like thinking this is stuff we can only do with PP or this is stuff I mean, we can do now? On on this, for instance, opens up to uh, a lot of industrial applications, and you mentioned some, no? It's tubes, piping, fluid systems, everything that basically contains uh, a fluid that's uh, that's a huge uh, plus uh, for mm-hmm. auto applications uh, the auto industry is a huge consumer of uh, of uh, pp so that's that's the other part also for the, the, the for their interior part but also their fluid systems hvac mm-hmm. uh, medical devices because of the inerting and uh, for instance during this this covid uh, crisis we have uh, designed uh, with uh, another uh, uh, set of companies uh, respirator and actually the parts that uh, went into this respirator were using this uh, this pp that, uh, that we just introduced so it's it's and, and with this uh, uh, obviously uh, a myriad of consumer applications that uh, they usually they use uh, pp i like the medical does it have what kind of certifications does it have for yeah. medical <laughs> things what can i use it for so at, at the end uh, the the certification uh it's a systemic uh, certification. Uh, always, when when you go to a, a medical uh, uh, industry, uh, is is not the material. It's basically the whole process that needs to be uh, certified. So, what what the, each of our customers will need to go through their certification uh, based on their processes and obviously the the, the material. So, it's actually is as you know very well. It's a complex uh, matter. And it depends on uh, which applications you need a higher level of certification versus another. But the material itself is, is it already classified under some like, you know, FDA classification for usage for implantation versus something else? I understand that the whole part has to be approved, but uh, surely the material has to be medical grade, right? The, it has some uh, basic medical grade. It doesn't have the highest level of uh, medical grade. But again, it depends on the application. This is mm-hmm. where then we, we start working with the, uh, with the uh, with the customers and actually we usually find uh, uh, solutions to the problem that that, uh, that they have and this is where basically some of the professional services by the way that uh, we have announced uh, today go in this uh, direction working with uh, with customers to get to these higher uh, uh, certifications uh, through basically working on uh, on the on the process itself and well we, so poly PP is used a lot in medical disposables and, and, and Petri dishes and all sorts of things like that. I mean, what are the medical applications you foresee in the near term with, with 3D printing plus polypropylene? For instance, one, one that uh, we've been uh, working on, with uh, starting with PA12, has been uh, swaps, medical uh, swaps, mm-hmm. that uh, PP actually will provide uh, uh, 
a similar performance plus much cheaper. So that's that's one thing. Okay. It's ready to 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 uh, to go uh, to go there. But but again, I mean, it's uh, surgical guides. That's that's uh, that's another one that uh, that uh, we are planning. Things that we're working with some of our medical uh, um, uh, partners. Uh, medical devices is basically medical uh, medical uh, equipment medical devices doesn't uh, doesn't need to uh, to touch for instance uh, certain parts uh, parts of, of of the body but basically are uh, applications that are surrounding uh, all of this so you think about uh, medical chairs or basically all the uh, outside the skins of uh, of uh, medical uh, devices so it's it's a, it's a, it's a great uh, material to go there because again of its of its inerting uh, properties. I like the idea of the packaging. It's a, it's a really ever present packaging material. We can now make uh, it goes really well with a lot of fluids and and, yes. and also a lot of like chemical resistance and stuff like that. So exactly. so uh, so I love the idea of having like a packaging material that could work in a mass customized world. Like if we're mm. going to mass customize things like we can also mass customize the packaging. The idea, the only idea I have right now is really concrete is just like, you know, if you have mass customized headphones, right, your own design on the outside and your own uh, ear shape on the inside, you know, you could also have a, a, a you could mass, you could using multi-jet fusion PP then uh, print a packaging that precisely fits this mass customized headphone. So do, exactly. do you see like things like those or you think things like those yeah. happen, that happening as well? Exactly. So, and, uh, for instance, in uh, in HP, we uh, actually we uh, have uh, taken in, in other uh, parts of the business of HP uh, deep dive on uh, on personalization. No? It's on, for instance on our graphic business, uh, our uh, digital presses. Actually, they uh, they've been transforming uh, industries like uh, publishing, uh, labels, uh, signage uh, into this. Uh, short runs and especially, and especially uh, personalized and we are taking actually all this expertise to uh, to basically go into this uh, mass personalization which is something that uh, as you say has a lot of potential personalization is first is one of the mega trends that uh, that, that we see in the industry at all levels people really uh, have now interest but will expect more in the future to have products and services that are targeted for them whether the targeting is basically just uh, for uh, for fashion or the targeting is basically just because the functionality actually addresses their specific needs with uh, with 3d printing and especially with uh, materials that address the low cost because at the end the personalization is, is great but basically you, you you also need to address the the, the cost i think that we have a, a great great potential and this basically with uh, software that uh, can bring personalization at the scale, this is where we see a, a great opportunity. I was just, I'm curious if, uh, if HP sees a future where they're also doing consumer level printers, uh, almost like the printers, <laughs> like regular <laughs> printers. <laughs> uh, right now, to be honest, we, uh, we are not, uh, we're not planning to, to do uh, printers for consuming. Obviously, yeah. we are we are we are doing printers that can address consumer applications. Right, right. But but, but we we uh, uh, right now uh, think that the, the best option for a consumer is basically to take advantage to of the best technology to take advantage of uh, distributed manufacturing and basically uh, uh, be served by a, a local uh, uh, digital service provider rather than having their. Their, their own personal printer, yeah. Fair enough. 
And is that also how you want to deliver the mass customization services? Is it through local providers or will it be through HP itself or you have no, it's too early for that? I think that is, uh, is, is early. I mean, I think business models will evolve. Mm. Uh, I think that we are uh, early on on the S-Corp of innovation. We are early on on the S-Corp of adoption, uh, unfortunately. And, and uh, as this, uh, we take off this, uh, this, uh, this curve, I think that we will, all we will learn what does it take to fulfill the needs uh, of the customer, uh, when they need it, where they need it, and on the quantity they need it. Because this at the end is what uh, we all are trying to do. We are trying to solve the, this, this, this problem of uh, making sure that you address uh, supply and demand in a very in much more intelligent way than what, uh, what uh, traditional supply chains are, are doing. So how exactly, what will be the business model, the, the, mecha the mechanism to manufacture exactly what you need, when you need, to, to, and, and, and basically target it to the person that they need it. I think that will, will evolve. Right now, basically, we are, we are working a lot with our customers. We have uh, put together a digital manufacturing network that is distributed, and uh, we'll, we'll take it from there. I think it's interesting that these things come a lot of times from engineering. If we see uh, 3D printing being adopted, it's the engineers, it's product development people. But if you're looking at producing on demand and predicting demand and making customized solutions and shortening time to market, there is a huge financial impact of not having spare parts, for example. Are you feeling, I found it difficult as a consultant to try to address like C-level, like like finance people and try to get them to understand like this is financially changes everything. It gets you so much more cash flow and it, uh, it really yeah, makes everything. Are you having any luck or are your people having any luck, uh, you know, having, talking to the financial side of the business? or Convincing CFOs of the power of this? <laughs> uh, to be very, very honest, uh, no, until now. <laughs> <laughs> not until now. No, it's and, uh, and for good and for bad, uh, I mean, uh, this, this crisis has been a, a humanitarian disaster. Right. But I think that has opened a lot the eyes of uh, supply chain uh, executives of what really means a resilient supply chain. Uh, and we, we all, I mean, all companies, and it's been included, we all had our uh, business continuity plans. But uh, now, in retrospective, our business continuity plans were very naive. In in our case, no, we we uh, for for uh, for our for the the PCs from uh, for HP or the the the, the consumer printers, no, we, we had uh, uh, factories that were redundant in China and Malaysia, thinking that if there is a flood in Malaysia, the China factory could cover for it. But nobody could really anticipate what uh, what has happened. And what actually will uh, continue to happen, uh, given the, the the globalization challenges that, uh, that that we're having? So the the whole idea of a business continuity plan of a resilient supply chain, I think that uh, that now is 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 very very different. Uh, looking at uh, at the supply chain uh, executives in HP, for instance, their idea of uh, how to design a supply chain in the future is being now approached in a very very different way from moving to Cost, cost, cost is, is basically is the king. And obviously, you need to have a minimum of resilience to, wow, cost is important, but uh, you need to have a flexible supply chain because the, the things on the future that could happen are very different than the things uh, on the past. And therefore, the, the, the benefits of a flexible factory, of a distributed factory, are huge. And basically, the cost 
uh, avoidance that in a, a crisis a flexible supply chain can have can actually overrun the different of uh, of par cost uh, in an absolute term. So I think that this this crisis opened the eyes for many many people, and and you cannot imagine the number of uh, of uh, conference and talks and interviews I had mm -hmm. had from the last uh, weeks mm -hmm. talking, <laughs> talking about this. Uh, do you envision, I mean, even with an HP and and some time scale that you know these print these printers will be making the pieces for other components of the of the Absolutely. HP universe. So yeah. we, we were already doing this, so it's uh, in uh, obviously in uh, our uh, 3D printers have a lot of components that have been printed by our 3D printers. Right. Uh, on our graphic uh, devices, actually, there is a, a bunch of them. We we are even uh, uh, printing some components uh, in our PCs, both in plastics and in metal. That's something that we we haven't shared uh, very much and uh, in the 2d printer i think that now we are moving we're going to move to a totally different different uh, different way uh, that's that's for a supply chain that has many components right when you're talking about products where the 3d printer is almost the product this is goes to the totally different level where we're actually that's even make uh, more much more sense to move totally to to the 3d printing but a lot of people say like, ah, oh, this is like a once a century kind of thing and this is not going to happen again. So maybe I don't need to really change that much or what would you say to that? Because I think there's a feeling now. Yeah, I, I, I think that uh, and unfortunately on the future will be more and more surprised of uh, things that are coming and that, that uh, hasn't come. I mean, if, if you look at uh, how the world has changed in the last uh, 10 years, uh, in terms of uh, stability, of uh, things that have affected the stability of the global economy, uh, it's it's accelerating for, for yeah. some reason. We, we have given, we, we have seen, and I've, I've seen actually statistics on on uh, the from the from the petrol uh, crisis that we uh, that we uh, mm -hmm. that we saw in the 70s to the year 2000 2005. It probably has been the most stable period in the history of mankind, which uh, uh, on the last uh, five years uh, this this has this has changed. And actually, uh, and unfortunately, I think that uh, it will continue to to change. Uh, who knows what will be the challenges? But we we are we we have seen a, a period where globalization has played a, a lot of uh, a stabilization play, and we are seeing actually this globalization. Uh, it's really challenged with a lot of nationalisms uh, racing, with a lot of uh, tariffs, uh, tax, taxes, a lot of barriers for uh, global commerce, uh, plus crisis that uh, that will arise. So I think that uh, again, unfortunately, we will give uh, we'll live challenging times in the mm -hmm. in the future. Yeah. I think the the thing Max and I kind of brainstormed about. I don't know if it was the last podcast. No, it was the one before that. I yeah, think, it was two ago. When we did, yeah, when we did distributed manufacturing, where we were talking about this idea of maybe making like a made in Switzerland kind of customized, really high quality, high, uh, um, uh, you know, really expensive version of your product, having all the production done by 3D printing or a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And then if there is a crisis, then you have that local production facility to take over. Uh, and then you just have to design all your items to be made on injection molding, but also in on, on 3D printing. Exactly. So, I mean, you, you, you just hit it. Uh, if I look at what has been the role of 3D in this COVID crisis, uh, I think it has two roles. One, which is probably the most visible one, where we have uh, 
identified gaps at local communities, design, qualify, certify, and produce 3D parts for, for again, from swabs to respirators to personal protection equipment. The other part that has been less visible is basically uh, to uh, close the gap on traditional supply chains for components. For instance, we've uh, worked with, uh, with a UK-based uh, respirator uh, company where some of the components, uh, they actually had broken uh, the stocks. And basically we had in, uh, in a very record time to, to, uh, to uh, qualify or, 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 or design uh, a, a, a certain components for basically their uh, traditionally uh, designed uh, respirator. So it's basically, I, I think that uh, more and more, not only 3D printing will, will, will be uh, a solution for, uh, for flexible manufacturing, but also I think that companies will use 3D printing as a backup options and therefore the designs that they do will need to be both dual qualified for injection molding because probably economics for mass production will still be there but uh, from a resilience point of view this design they need to make sure that is uh, also qualified for uh, for uh, 3d printing for two reasons one is basically in, in these cases where uh, there is a demand peak or a, uh, or supply uh, breakage which basically can move to, uh, to uh, rapidly to, to 3D printing, or in the case where they have uh, distribution in uh, either remote parts or basically they want to do for certain uh, things, uh, uh, late postponement and, uh, and distributed manufacturing. So I see basically both, both things uh, going on. And I think it's interesting that you guys, um, you know, spend a lot of effort on, on the whole COVID thing. I mean, you guys really, must have thrown a lot of people at this because you made like 3 million parts or 3.2 million parts or something. And a lot of it is one thing to turn on machines and, 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 and lend out some production people, but you spend a lot of time, like you mentioned, qualifying parts and doing uh, stuff like that. It's, it's, uh, it's but, not that uh, the COVID crisis came and we had a bunch of designs that are ready to print, uh, by no means. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. we, we, we have to learn real time what were the problems and the problems at the local level, figure out uh, a design, uh, prototyping, go through the, the certification with the local authorities and, and then uh, do uh, for some uh, parts clinical trials and then start producing. So, and uh, this within uh, weeks when basically, and you know this very well, it takes months of years to, to do this. So mm -hmm. I, I think that this, this I, at least for me, has a couple of learnings. First, is that, is that application development and qualification can be streamlined. And I think that also uh, local authorities have, have uh, identified this. And I think that we'll, we'll move probably to a world where there will be a much more agile qualifications of things that actually can be done mm -hmm. without putting, obviously, lives, lives at risk. Right. The second learning is basically how powerful is to have a team of uh, motivated uh, persons uh, with a mission and, uh, and, and knowing that uh, basically what they do is meaningful and save lives. I, you cannot imagine the number of, uh, of volunteers that we had within our organization willing to spend weekends, uh, work overnight because they, they had this mission, they, because they, they know that basically the, the hour that they were not designing this could actually delay uh, this uh, respirator that we did or the qualification of a swab or, a, or actually a connector that we did for a hospital that uh, that uh, had this uh, 
this breathing circuit and how this this has really motivated uh, teams to to work to to uh, to a next level so it's this from a culture perspective there's a lot of learnings here is there anything you're particularly proud about in terms of what they've produced uh, or that you think is a great demonstration of how this community has come together I, I think that the I, I can mention a couple of uh, right of of uh, of examples. Maybe the, where where I've seen the industry come together uh, more clearly is on the swaps uh, uh, example. Uh, this this is where we've seen uh, different uh, 3D companies uh, working together. One company in particular actually uh, 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 leading with uh, with their with their CEO, but. And, and, and all of us actually sharing uh, a thing through knowledge, not from a competition who arrived first, but actually from working together as an industry. I think that this, this, is, this is something I've been, I've been talking with most of the, of the CEOs of uh, 3D uh, companies and uh, all, with, uh, all of them actually with a very open mindset, uh, willing to share designs, willing to share knowledge. So this from, a, from an industry perspective has been a, a fantastic moment, a fantastic moment. That's, that's for me one one of the the, the great the, the great examples that uh, I can I can think of. Is this something we should be doing as an ongoing thing, either as an industry or as HP, where you're saying maybe we have some kind of HP helps thing, where you would use the same kind of volunteers and capacity to kind of help people using 3D printing? Is that something to think about? Or I I think that uh, when when there is uh, this uh, crisis moments where these moments where uh, really. Uh, People are at a risk that uh, there's some uh, critical moments. Uh, I think that not only HP. I see that uh, all the all the three D uh, companies I've been talking uh, with uh, are 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 going to again step uh, step ahead and uh, and offer uh, for free because actually the things that we've done is uh, are, are are pro bono for for free. Their their help. I have no no doubt. So they're they're pro bono. Most most of the things that we've done, and I mean, there's there's things that are now are, are ongoing. That uh, and and one thing is basically what we do at SP, and the other basically when we share uh, designs with our with our uh, partners, and they actually then they, they decide what, what what they do. But actually, the the the, the amount of hours, the amount of parts that HP has done, it's yes, it's, it's pro bono. And and uh, and is there like a, maybe like because you you have also at the same time. Is there maybe a service in there for HP as well, like a supply chain resilience service? Is that something you're, yeah. you're, you're thinking about, or exactly? And actually, one of the services that we we uh, we announced uh, yesterday is uh, basically a sourcing strategy uh, sourcing strategy uh, uh, service. When when our customers go to production, they can do uh, one to, uh, one of two things. Right? If they are vertically integrated, uh, we are working with them with production optimization services to basically to, to validate, fine-tune the, the quality and production processes to, to, to make sure that they are optimized to get uh, higher yields, uh, lower cost, etc. For the ones that actually they subcontract, uh, what do we offer actually services of uh, sourcing. So basically, how should they think about supply chain? What should they ask for their suppliers? How should they make sure that their suppliers have the right level of quality? So we offer both uh, both uh, both services as a function of basically what is the manufacturing strategy of our customer. And you're also like so you're also going to do training as well and just offer consultancy application development, right? Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. So we'll we'll offer services both from uh, help our customers facilitate what uh, what uh, identification of uh, parts and basically uh, give them knowledge on design for IT 
to help them enable the development of applications with the specific design optimization for their specific uh, application as well as basically end-to-end -end application uh, development and qualification and then the, the the production services I was, I was talking about. What percentage of HP's overall uh, structure is, is dedicated to this to this area? Would you say of just the 3D printing, but also of this consulting and all that? I mean... So our uh, consulting services uh, uh, right now, basically, is, uh, we are we are uh, is is is, uh, is not a, a significant part. It's not a big part. Uh, we are we are starting. I mean, we, if if you look at basically the the, the amount of uh, of investment that we're putting in uh, in three D, the amount of uh, people, uh, technology obviously uh, is a, is a, is a big part. No? Advancing on uh, on uh, materials, advancing of uh, application uh, development, advancing on uh, basically making sure that we that we move to the next level. The technology uh, we're investing in metals, so that's that's a big part of the investment. Uh, obviously, and the go to market is another part. Uh, 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 basically, support to our customers is the other big part. Within this, professional services. This year, we have done a big investment over mm -hmm. what we had uh, on, on the past to be able to get to the level to launch these six different uh, services right now. And the intention is to scale uh, very significantly this practice because we think that uh, this is key to uh, to accelerate the adoption of uh, of, our, of our customers. We uh, our customers need need help. They uh, they they all have an intuition of what three D can make for them, but unless actually we go and work through them and, uh, and basically make a concrete offer on how this actually will help them and uh, what is the, their business case, what type of uh, parts they can move and why uh, does this uh, have a return investment uh, and then how to think about production. Uh, we see these are usually friction points and our intention is actually to remove this friction point and help our customers move much more quickly through this adoption process. And of course, I mean, I think, uh, interestingly, I mean, about the, the professional services is one part. You've also added Fast Radius as partner network. Is it your idea of growing? Because you could be doing this yourself, right? You could be putting HP machines in, in HP offices and printing these parts yourself and offering a service. And instead, you seem focused on adding more service partners like Fast Radius. Mm -hmm. So um, is, that, is that a, are you going to be doing both? You don't know yet? I mean, uh, as, as I was saying, I mean, you you don't know what you don't know, and and uh, <laughs> how, how how this uh, this business will evolve, uh, we can only uh, guess. Right now, basically, we are very committed to our uh, uh, digital manufacturing uh, uh, network, as well as the as a rest of, of partners. No? There is a lot of uh, of service bureaus that are still not uh, in our digital manufacturing partner because I mean uh, network uh, uh, where actually we 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 ask for a high level of uh, of, uh, of excellence and, uh, and, and, and process quality. Uh, right now, what we're trying is to help uh, all of our uh, customers or our, our service world that has our machine basically to drive uh, demand. Is the picture very rosy? Can you offer these people kind of like uh, buy HP machine with revenue inside? Is it, is it kind of like that kind of a <laughs> process? Or, or is it, is it, yeah? No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's not that we are uh, we are uh, uh, offering solutions with uh, warranted uh, warranted uh, revenue. I think that uh, all parts of the ecosystems need to work together to drive adoption. It's, it's not uh, uh, the work of only us. I think it's the work of 
of the of the CAD vendors, is the work of the of the printer uh, OEMs, is the the work of the material uh, chemical companies, is the is the work of uh, of the digital manufacturing uh, uh, partners. I think that all of us need need, need to work and and and, uh, and make this happen. I don't think that uh, only one player can 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 drive demand alone. And you did, uh, yeah, speaking of partners, you added Uxler, which I always mispronounce, yep. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. Uxler. Uh, Uxler. Uh, yes. Oh, oh yes. sorry. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. All right. That. <laughs> you added them. And yeah, if you've heard of them, they're the company that makes the Adidas Boost shoes. Uh, exactly. They were the, the, the carbon partner for the, uh, I want to say the word ill-fated without saying the word ill-fated, but, um, uh, but the partnership with the, with carbon and also they make, uh, uh, a lot of car components, like really complex car okay. components as well. Okay. Like uh, I think they make parking brakes. They're one of the largest companies worldwide in parking brakes. Um, and so I thought it was a really interesting partner because it's uh, first it's quite a coup to get them, uh, but also at the same time, and it, I think it's uh, it's complex assemblies, it's complicated high value products, um, or it's direct to market products in the case of shoes. So I thought it was really interesting. Does, what, are, what are your thoughts on the, that partnership? Exactly, Oshler is, is one of these uh, these companies I, I, I love to, to, to work with because uh, uh, first they are so innovative, they are so progressive on their thinking and they take uh, risks. And, uh, and basically some of the products that you mentioned is, 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 is a life example of they were actually pioneers uh, taking risks and going to high complexity uh, high complexity manufacturing. So uh, uh, partnering with Oshler for us was very, very, very important. Uh, Oshler has has already put a, a, a fleet of uh, of 50 to 100 uh, uh, HP printers, and they've been actually uh, pioneers of uh, of driving a number of very innovative, uh, very innovative uh, uh, applications with uh, the BSF uh, TPU that we introduced. Uh, uh, a number of uh, months ago, and with the PP, uh, even uh, before announcing, actually we reach out together with BSF to uh, to uh, Oshler, and they have already uh, uh, put together a, a number of uh, very innovative applications. So it's it's uh, we need to have this this uh, not only digital manufacturing uh, or only not only digital native uh, uh, companies, but I think it's very important to have traditional manufacturing progressive thinking companies that actually can drive a scale to this to this business and and is that also something is that were they enthusiastic or you don't have to say particularly because like polypropylene is used extensively in, yeah. in cars as well uh is there a lot of overlap between like the kind of the kind of things that usler does and then and in car manufacturing or is that you know or just generally yeah. is it really interesting for cars one of the things that they've uh, started basically working on uh, manifolds and gas liquid separators for the automotive uh, industry using RPP. So it's one, one of the first things they have uh, identified. I'm so enthusiastic about any kind of internal flow, any kind of flow optimization thing with 3D printing because the, the, the marriage has always been like so ideal to be able to freeform make something that has less mass yes. than the previous thing, better flow. And uh, you know the problem always has been like with, with sintering, you have a problem with it, the parts are porous. So they, they suck up moisture in an irregular way, which is why they're so hard to paint, right? So, so I thought that was really, that's why I think, I think any kind of flow component, uh, polymer flow component is, is really exciting to me, and manifold specifically. Exactly, exactly. 
Yeah. Are you also looking at valves? Because like polymer valves could be very interesting. I know in metals, valves is a really fast evolving area. So, so I was thinking of maybe polymer valves. I don't know if that's like a high value thing, but that could be very yeah, interesting. Yeah, well. the oil industry. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, that's, a good, that's a good idea, dude. And I, I need to think about that. Uh, anyway, um, just generally, also, you also release some 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 customers from MetalJet. So MetalJet is your metal printing technology. It's not out yet. I can't go and buy a machine. Uh, no. But somehow you're already finding customers for it. So what's the significance of that? We are doing this for a number of reasons. First, first of all, the our uh, metal uh, metal jet technology uh, today has a maturity level that actually we can actually uh, produce parts that actually can sell. So some of our uh, early customers are already using some some of our uh, uh, current uh, uh, current products that actually we are placing with them and. and, and GKN, for instance, is one of our partners. Uh, Parmatech is another of our, our partners that they have basically fleets of our metal jet uh, printers on the state that they are today, which are, I mean, the, the, the state is, is, is pretty good, and they're already producing uh, uh, parts and actually volumes for, for, their, for, their, for their customers. So it's, it's, it's not that uh, we are in deep uh, eye phase and uh, investigation and until two years we don't release the, the product. We have today a product. The only thing that actually we restrict to certain uh, customers until actually we release the commercial available uh, product in a, in a number of, uh, of, uh, of years. Uh, the, the reason that we're doing this is first is to, uh, to learn, retrofit the commercial available uh, product that we will release uh, uh, eventually. But the other one, and this is more important, is to uh, qualify uh, applications early on. One of the things that we have learned from the, in the hardware in, in the plastics is that we didn't work on application development until the product was released, when we released the 4200, and the same with the 5200. And, mm -hmm. and the problem with this is that once you release a product, then starts all the hard work of, uh, of qualification of, uh, of applications. That depends on the, on the vertical, can take as low as six months or as high as five years. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's very important that if you have a technology that is sound, that is robust, and the only thing that basically you are closing the pronunciation, you start early on. So when actually you, you launch, you have your application ready to scale and basically you can, uh, you can gain scale much, much, much easier. So we're doing this for, for, for these reasons. And uh, Cobra and uh, one of the, the Marine Corps uh, application that we that we uh, that we announced is 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 actually is, is actually this. On, on Cobra, we are putting together some of uh, some already uh, parts that will be commercially uh, uh, available. Uh, GKM, Parmatech, they have other uh, customers that we are today serving on. Now, the, the, for instance, on the Cobra uh, example, which is uh, by the way, and for the uh, for the people that are hearing us and, and are not uh, golf enthusiasts, the Cobra is one of the leading golf equipment uh, manufacturing. So we are not only working with them to do some parts uh, today, but also we're going to them on the future roadmap of uh, personalized scooters or uh, uh, tap heads or whatever basically they, they, they do. The other good example is the US Marine Corps, which is the other part that actually we were talking about. Uh, and this is for a, for a very uh, unique uh, uh, case, which is their uh, amphibious assault vehicle, which is uh, a design that has, I don't want to be wrong, but I think it's, it's more than 40 years old, the, the design. 
and uh, basically what, what they need is uh, replacement parts. Uh, and basically we're producing now for them at least 200 parts for, for, for spare parts for, the, for their uh, amphibious uh, vehicle. This, you, you could think, wow, this is an extreme case. Uh, not really. Actually, if you look at uh, aerospace, you look at automotive, spare parts uh, needs to be there for, uh, in many cases, 30 years after basically the, the last uh, uh, sale of one of their skills. So uh, one, this, the spare parts for, for this uh, type of, uh, of complex industrial uh, vehicles is, is actually a, is a real use case. And I think, I think the interesting thing about both of these things is that, is that one is personalization and sports equipment, which I think is quite new and, and really uh -huh. an untapped area. Uh -huh. um, and, and the other one is a very established thing. I mean, the European Union, I don't know how much money they poured into spare parts and, and spare parts, everything they have projects for. Um, and do you think that, that, that you know, a, 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 when you compare it to traditional methods of, of uh, either lost wax casting uh, with, with SLA or either DMLS or, uh, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, do you think that the, the real cost advantages of, of, of metal jet will really make a huge difference for these areas? Are they going to make turn something that's hundreds of parts into something that's tens of thousands of parts? Or Yes, absolutely. Actually, the... the the economic value proposition is actually the strong uh, thing about uh, metal jet uh, versus uh, other uh, 3D uh, printing technology. I think that in general, uh, binder jet uh, type uh, family of technologies have a, a very sound economical uh, proposition, but also versus a lot of uh, MIMS, uh, metal injection molding, uh, some casting, even some, uh, some, uh, some machining uh, 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 cases. Uh, we are working with a number of uh, customers I cannot disclose. And uh, when I saw the volumes that they're asking us, I was thinking, no, this, this cannot be. It, it cannot be that we have an economic value proposition for uh, hundreds of thousands of parts or, or, or north of this. And actually, if you look, there is so some, some really incredibly complex uh, metal uh, parts that actually use a number of uh, metal technologies to get to this level of, uh, of uh, complexity that uh, that 3D metal has such a competitive advantage and I think that we are only scratching the, the, the surface. I, I'm, I personally, I'm becoming more and more uh, excited, uh, excited about, about this. I, I, I really see the... I, I see, for instance, uh, a metal technology to, that would be, uh, I think, very, very diff different in terms of adoption than, than plastic. I see metal being probably much more concentrated in terms of, uh, of customers, but being able to scale in these concentrated uh, customers probably in a much steeper way than, uh, than what plastic is, uh, is, 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 is doing. All right, I can definitely see where you're going with the metal because... I, I make metal parts or right now I do centering and stuff like that to make them. If I could do on-demand printed style parts of same or better quality, then that would be a much more intriguing way of doing it. Uh, yeah. And then not have to do that centering tool to, to make those parts. I think, I think, are you enthusiastic about Ramon? Are you just generally enthusiastic about the industry as well? If we look at the future, are you, are you, is this like this big, 
change moment where everything changes? I, am. I, I, I think that uh, it's it's a strange moment because from a point of view of uh, capital investment, uh, these crashes have stopped all significant capital investment from companies. And I think that uh, all companies are, are, are seeing. at the same moment, at uh, the same time, uh, the, we haven't seen any big plan being cancelled. Actually, there's some that have been delayed because actually the factories have been shut down uh, for obvious reasons. But I see actually the mindset, the top of mind of, uh, of this digital information really uh, making a step function uh, in, in these days. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very positive on, on, the, on the future. I'm very, very positive. Okay. Hey, thank you very much, Ramon. Thank you so much for coming into us today. Thank you, yes. my pleasure. No, it was and, great to uh, have you on. <laughs> and uh, thank, you so, <laughs> thank you so much, guys, for coming. And this is another episode of the 3D Pod. Uh, today we were joined by uh, Ramon Pastor of HP and uh, Maxwell Vogue, of course, and my name is Joris Peels. Thank you so much for, for listening to us today. And uh, keep your suggestions and ideas coming if you want us to interview certain guests or if you have ideas for the show. And, and thanks a lot for following the 3D Pod. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the 3D Pod. For more information on what you just heard or to subscribe, visit www.3dprint.com or follow us at 3dprint underscore com.